0: I'm Bruce Bochy. And I'm your brovid with COVID.
1: And welcome to Planet of the Meerkats.
0: So you have COVID. I do. Asymptomatic. So I feel really stupid. I've been quarantining in my house, which means basically I've I've locked myself in a room away from my wife and kids Mm -hmm. and don't leave unless I need to use the bathroom or like shower in the morning or something. You're really bored right now. (laughs) I am. I've watched two and a half seasons of Cobra Kai. (laughs) (laughs) What do you think about Cobra Kai? I'm really enjoying it, actually. It's really good. It seems so. did Did you ever watch How I Met Your Mother? Uh I watched a little bit of it. So Barney Stinson, Neil Patrick Harris's character, famously had a riff where he was going on and on about how Johnny Lawrence was the real hero of Karate Kid and not Daniel mm-hmm. LaRusso. And that's sort of like that that train of logic taken to the extreme. Was
1: that the actual inspiration for the series? I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised.
0: <laughs> but uh it's sort of like bits of Karate Kid get retold from Johnny Lawrence's perspective and Daniel LaRusso, he's become sort of a a
1: co-protagonist, but at least at the beginning, he was just sort of like an asshole. I I watched, I think the first two episodes of season one and I I kind of fell off, but I have some friends who are obsessed with it to the point that they have like Cobra Kai merch, like they (laughs) they were matching Cobra Kai sweatshirts. (laughs) Well, it's like
0: there's a lot of karate going on in the Valley. I don't know I outside of like driving past a karate dojo I've -hmm. never actually seen anyone in real life doing karate
1: (laughs) and in this show like random karate brawls break out every (laughs) other episode isn't that the dream really that you would just see people putting to use the skills that they learn in real life I don't want to see anyone getting hurt right I'm not I'm not for random violence but if there's going to be random violence like do like do karate don't do don't (laughs) Bust out your gun and shoot somebody like engage in a like spar with them and show show some real skill in your in your fighting.
0: Well, and that's one thing. All these kids in the show, I mean, obviously the adults, too, but all these kids in the show really do have skill like they've obviously trained up and know what they're mm-hmm. doing. Um, mm-hmm. But there's there there's an episode I watched the other day where they're throwing a party and all of a sudden a little boy gets thrown through the window <laughs> <laughs> and then the Cobra Kai run in and there's a big brawl in the house. Uh, I've,
1: so the Cobra Kai are, they're the good guys, right?
0: Well, sort of. So Johnny Lawrence, he, he's sort of a down on his luck loser in his fifties. And he decides to bring Cobra Kai back because he, he's one of those guys that peaked in high school. And so he starts training the Cobra Kai and then Daniel LaRusso's down the street and they obviously bump heads. Uh, and then Daniel opens up the Miyagi-Do dojo. And so they're like a loggerheads. And then John Kreese, who was Johnny Lawrence's karate evil karate teacher from the first Karate mm-hmm. Kid, shows up and takes over Cobra Kai. So Johnny Lawrence forms the, the Eagle Fang Dojo, which ends up merging with the Miyagi-Do Dojo. So now at this point, the Cobra Kai are actually the bad guys.
1: Okay, okay, okay. Because I wasn't sure if they named the whole series after the bad guys. I mean, that's a bold move.
0: Yeah, I was thinking about that, and I think it's more like whether or not they're the good guys or the bad guys, the series really revolves around them. They're the ones that are driving the narrative, so I think mm-hmm. it makes sense. It mm-hmm. also makes for a pretty cool logo. Although yeah. I, I just want to point out e- Eagle Fang is
1: a hilarious name for a dojo since <laughs> eagles don't have fangs. <laughs> I mean, it's it's got to be an eagle-snake hybrid, right? You're combining, you're combining the, the most fearsome elements of the snake with... An ego, which is just badass, but it's it's kind of hilarious. All of the cameos they're bringing in,
0: or well, full-on characters they're bringing in from the Karate Kid movies. So not only do we have Johnny Lawrence and Daniel Larusso, Elizabeth Shue, who played the girlfriend in the first Karate Kid movie, just showed up mm-hmm. for a couple episodes. Uh, John Crease, obviously, who was the the bad, the evil teacher from the first movie, and he went. Daniel went to Okinawa and met up with chosen who was the evil guy he had to fight there and mm-hmm. uh, the girl that he was like seeing when he was in Okinawa and karate Kid 2 and now the evil coked up karate instructor from karate Kid three <laughs> Terry Silver just showed up <laughs> this is like a Daniel song this is your life show like every this single is... bad guy from his life is showing up all at once
1: this is a real boon to these actors that probably haven't gotten a lot of great work in the past. 30, 35 years. (laughs) No, I was looking like, you know,
0: William Zabka, who plays Johnny Lawrence, like he hasn't done all that much. You know, he's had roles off and on. Mm -hmm. Um, But he's really fantastic in the show. Uh, So
1: I've been I've been duly impressed because he kind of carries it like (laughs) you're going to have to pretend to still be sick with COVID. And so you can finish up this whole series, right? (laughs) (laughs) I think I think I'll
0: finish with it. I'm on I just started season three and or sorry it just started season four and that's the last season available so i probably will be able to get through
1: that today and tomorrow tomorrow is your last real day of quarantine yeah what are you gonna do when you're out are you gonna have, to have a party um i think like... you should do something really fun you should go play like go to a go-kart uh track or something <laughs> that would be go pretty cool Ch- chucky e. cheese
0: <laughs> <laughs> is there david uh,
1: busters around go play some <laughs> ski ball. Ski balls, dope. All right. What, so today, uh, we have no theme, right? I mean, I named I named our episode "Butts, Butts, Butts." I hope that's okay. I like <laughs> I like butts. I can't lie. Butts, butts, butts. I'm surprised that Motley Crue never had a song called "Butts, Butts, Butts." Speaking of Motley Crue, I shared a meme this week about the parental advisory sticker. Yes. And someone had made a joke that. Uh, It's like the hardest logo that anyone's ever created. And it's (laughs) (laughs) like, if you're a kid and you see that, you're like, I have to have whatever is behind that sticker. It's the (laughs) sticker equivalent to borrow from Karate Kid of like a shuriken or (laughs) nunchucks. I mean, when that came out, that was like right when my timing might be off, but it's like, it's kind of coincided with gangster rap. Right. And it felt like, a gangsta actually created that logo. Like, it was the perfect logo for gangsta rap. It felt like there was a synergy there, and um, it just made all of those albums so much cooler. Like, what? I remember buying the Warren G, whatever album had Regulate on it, and it had that sticker, and it was really big, and it was like, fuck yeah, yeah I'm ready. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ready for some cuss words. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, man, yeah. I think Two Live Crew was... Weren't they the
1: sort of the originator? They oh, had- maybe... Who was it wasn't it Tipper Gore that was the the sort of Yeah uh, she was thank she you Tipper She really for drove protecting the whole thing. us. Was <laughs> wasn't there a moment where like on the steps of Congress or whatever they had all the CDs in a pile and then someone drove a steamroller over it yes. like to show that like that we were like we we're tough on cussing or I don't know <laughs> protecting the kids by steamrolling some random merchandise. <laughs> well it reminds me of Dare right oh yeah because remember dare what did dare stand
0: for dare also had a sick logo yeah dare drugs
1: wasn't it dare abstinence
0: (laughs) drug abstinence something education
1: and resistance education yeah (laughs) dare to keep kids off drugs was their motto for a minute i thought that dare the word dare was going to be part of the acronym which seems like one of like the major sin of acronyms like you can't have (laughs) you can't have one of the words from the acronym (laughs) Well, I remember,
0: uh, well, recently Zendaya got some fl- some flack because she stars in a show called Euphoria and her character ro- wore a shirt that used the D.A.R.E. logo and underneath mm-hmm. it said drugs are really excellent. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, I learned more about drugs from D.A.R.E. than uh, anybody. And while I uh, yeah. become a drug head, like, I don't think I would have known about Quaaludes and uh, <laughs> all that stuff and, and, and barbiturates until... uh
1: I know I feel like they they gave like free free education for people looking to get into drugs. It's like, okay, now I know all the drugs that I want to try. Thank you, <laughs> Dare. <laughs> I know it's it's almost like the 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 adults in the eighties and nineties were like didn't understand how cool they were making bad shit <laughs> seem like. <laughs> all right, Dave, you wanted to talk about you wanted to do a tribute to Arthur. Okay, so Arthur, Arthur the Aardvark,
0: he has a TV show. It started in uh, 97. It's gone for 250 episodes, and it's just about to end. And uh, way back when, I had a dispute with Comcast, and so we went without cable or satellite or anything for quite a while. And so all we had were channels. And the one that came in best, of course, was Channel 6. And every morning, Brahman and I would end up watching Arthur before we left for work. Mm-hmm. And it's a really good show. You know, it dealt with a lot of issues that you don't normally see dealt with in kids cartoons from like kids dealing with divorce. There's a bully in the show and he ends up becoming like a main character. Like it's, it was for a show about animals. It was really humanizing. There's even a show mm-hmm. where the little sister learns to cuss and half the show is bleeped out and it's hilarious. That's awesome. Um, and they reveal that Arthur's teacher who the kids see him as like this tyrant, but like it's sort of a with a wink and a nod to the parents. Mr. Rabbit. Ratburn, he uh, he's actually you can tell he really lo- like loves and cares for the kids and, and wants what's best for him and he's a really good teacher and they reveal in the show that he's uh, married in, in a same sex marriage and they dealt with that like really tastefully and the show's just it's really good mm-hmm. and uh, it's it's ending so I just wanted to to pour one out for Arthur
1: nice where do you fall on the Neil Young versus Joe Rogan situation dave i mean on one hand you know let me just say Joe Rogan. you know
0: uh i think he he has a pedestal and he uses it for to spread all sorts of crazy lies and conspiracy theories uh, but on the other hand spotify is is
1: a platform
0: so i i, I definitely fall on the Neil young side but i'm not I don't think is anti-Spotify as some.
1: I'm anti-Spotify for a lot of reasons. And I've been a Spotify premium subscriber for a long time. I read something today that really resonated with me, which is like the, the expectation that for $10 a month, we can access all the music in history <laughs> is just like, it's unrealistic, right? We're not creating the economic conditions for musicians to make a living. And so how can we expect that great music is going to be made if there isn't a really a way for musicians to make money especially in covid when they can't tour yeah um so for that i think spotify and you know in fairness to spotify i don't think they ever position themselves as being about artists yeah yeah i don't know <clears throat> support support musicians on bandcamp if you can yeah <laughs> but i do i do want to just give a shout out to neil young for being uh, a badass well being a badass and you know
0: like I think he really brings this issue to the forefront. You know, his music is mm-hmm. a big deal, and him pulling mm-hmm. it from Spotify is a big deal. And it yeah. puts a, a spotlight on, on the exactly. issue at the very least. Yeah, exactly. All right, Dave, talk to me about Doctor Who. So I was I was reflecting on this the other day. I've been watching through Doctor Who with Abigail, and, you know, I do lots of things with Nelly as well. But I was just thinking about, like, how much our tastes are dictated by our – or not dictated – how much of our tastes we inherit from our parents? I'm a 49er and a Giants fan. Why? I don't know. Right? It's yeah. because, like, I grew up and my parents were 49ers and Giants fans, right? Yeah. And, like, I, I, I look at all the obsessions Abigail's had over the years from Ace Attorney to Doctor Who to, like, Cthulhu. These are all things that, like, I introduced her to. Mm-hmm. And then... um like Brahman, she's a huge Star Trek fan, and that's because she used to watch Star Trek with her dad. You know, Nelly, she loves Minecraft, and that's because I would play Minecraft with her when she was little. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of like I don't know, I I am just really musing how 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 our tastes get passed down to the next generation, and it's just it's just, I was finding it really interesting.
1: Now, are there are there certain things that you've made a conscious decision to really spotlight for her to so that in the hopes that she would get into it? I mean, I've,
0: I've introduced them to a lot of stuff. And not everything sticks, obviously. The, uh, you know, like Doctor Who, we used to watch it with her when she was little and she could care less. And all of a sudden, like, her and I watched Good Omens, which had David Tennant in it. And she became a huge David Tennant fan. So she wanted to watch mm-hmm. Doctor Who. And then she started watching the Matt Smith episodes, who plays another incarnation of the Doctor. And, yeah. And so now she's, like, she's really into it. And... You know, the one thing I haven't really been able to get either of my kids to embrace is Legos, which is kind of sad.
1: I don't know that anyone's going to... That's a high bar. <laughs> <laughs> that's a super high bar. I mean, you're like a collector.
0: <laughs> but they're also into, like, scary stuff. Like, Abigail especially will watch a lot of scary movies. And I was thinking about how... I wonder if that's a, a indication that they feel safe, that they can mm-hmm. enjoy something that's, like, straight up, like, horror or scary so i was i was finding a little encouragement in that
1: man it it's so true though like how much we and even even beyond the things that we you know our interests in popular culture and i think our senses of humor to some extent right i was thinking about this my my mom recently wanted me to order joe versus the volcano on dvd nice. um and so i i got it and i brought it up to her the last time i visited and we rewatched it and it had been probably 30 years since i saw it but like I was obsessed with that movie. Really? Like we, yeah. Like we were both, my mom and I were both obsessed with that movie. And like, there's a through line there mm-hmm. between a lot of those movies and then kind of some of the early nineties stuff that we both enjoyed together. And then, you know, as a teenager started to develop my own interests mm-hmm. in whatnot, it never would have, I don't think it ever would have been possible to like have that sort of like find my own aesthetic and interest without that foundation, which was established, you know? Like, I remember watching Star Trek with my dad or watching MacGyver,
0: and those are both shows mm-hmm. and things that I've I've always liked throughout my life. Uh, I remember, I think I really like going to the movies, and I remember my dad taking me to the movies, and that always felt, like, really special, going to the movies, and I think that's why I like going to mm-hmm. the movies so much. I don't know. Mm-hmm. My, mm-hmm. My big, the big bummer is they don't sell Rolo's at the movies anymore,
1: and that was, like, my movie candy when I was a kid. Rolo? Wow. Dang, Rolo, that's going deep, man. Yeah, it's all bunch do of. They still make and... Rolos. They must. Yeah, right? they do, just on a really small scale. I know that you said that Abigail has sort of developed some of her own interests and things, but I wonder what the moment is going to be where she really like the first thing that she really breaks hard on that you're where you're like, what? Yeah. Like, has that happened yet, or do you? Not really. I think all of her interests, I've kind of seen the
0: organic growth of them, but yeah, I definitely, I definitely see that moment coming.
1: I'm sure that ours for both of us was probably when we started listening to new metal. Could have been worse. Could have been (laughs) gangster rap. (laughs) Well, that was, that was it like hiding. Uh, You're right. Gangster (laughs) rap was before new metal. Like, yeah. Buying those parental advisory albums and then hiding them. (laughs) Well, I love that uh, Snoop Dogg
0: has become like this family, family man. I know. Well, I was watching the SpongeBob movie the other day, the newest SpongeBob movie, whatever it's called. Mm -hmm. And, there's a whole musical sequence by Snoop Dogg in the movie, and then he also is in the new Adams Family movies, and in uh, the second one, actually breaks out rapping. And when when his character cousin It shows up, it's play it plays Snoop Dogg
1: songs. Like these are kids' movies. It's it's kind of funny. It's wild. <clears throat> it's weird, right? Because it's in one way the society has changed to some extent. Like things that were taboo are no longer taboo. And then there's a part of it about as you age, it becomes safer, I guess, right? Like some of the yeah. danger of being like, like a young, dangerous-seeming black man goes away, and all of a sudden he's just like a family-friendly star. He's like a dad but, now, like a, a goofy yeah, dad, right? <laughs> maybe there's still like a lot of like dangerous-seeming music and film and whatnot out there that we just don't know about. But I, I kind of feel like like our the media landscape is a little bit sanitized. It's weird because in some way it's like, those taboo things are no longer taboo, but it's also like more sanitized. I don't, it's strange.
0: Yeah. I, I feel like as the taboo goes away, like the thing that the, 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 as the taboo goes away, the thing the taboo is tabooing also kind of fades a little bit because the yeah. taboo in itself makes it popular. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah.
0: Um, anyway. But yeah, it's like what are
1: BTS going to influence our kids? I know. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking speaking of of uh, Snoop Dogg and BTS uh, and the internet, I just want to rail a bit on. I'm just over the terms content and content creator. You know, in this conver- in these conversations, I almost said content several times. Like mm-hmm. what like what sort of dangerous content is out there? It's just like the worst, most anodyne word. It like means nothing, and it's just uh, it just really Still, starting to bug me. What what would what would what should we use instead of content? I don't know. I just feel like we should be more specific about what we're talking about. I feel so like, like content... a podcast creator or a yeah, musician or something. Content means nothing, right? It like literally, it's just, it's so generic, you know? And I feel like it like really kind of devalues the work. It goes hand in hand with things
0: like influencer. Like literally exactly. your job is to influence people. That's the stupidest shit I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah, like... <laughs> Like that is the one
1: purpose of your, your being what (laughs) creation has so much value. And like creating art is like a real intrinsic human need. Like, I think we, we need to be creative and like, we need to, we need to make, you know, but we've, we've made this whole, this whole class of things now, which are just, it's like content big, but it's it's like inherently not valuable because it needs to be made and replaced at such a rate that like people don't even really like sit and think about the work right like mm-hmm. is this truly a piece of art and do I need to sit and think about it and what it means to me and what it means to the world or am I literally just seeing it and scrolling past it like so much of the time that quote-unquote content creators may like put into their work mm-hmm. most of them people never see it or really like Stop to think about it or care, right? And I think yeah. part of that is because of the language we use to describe it.
0: Yeah, I think I think that's yeah. a that's a good point. I think it probably has to do with sort of the media landscape trying to grapple with all of this new type of media that's out there, and how do you describe mm-hmm. it? Right? They want to put it in a box when really it's a whole bunch of different boxes, and we're kind of growing into growing into um, this new landscape and the terminology hasn't
1: caught up well there's the you know it it's definitely hard to describe certain things right and i think i think there's also like trying to avoid terms that there's some sort of stigma around right i was i was i saw this this thread on twitter that was kind of about these kind of about sites like OnlyFans and and some sites similar to that where mm. where the content being created right is like like vaguely associated with pornography right it's <laughs> like more explicitly, not be new. Nud- <laughs> yeah. It might, it might have nudity. It might not, but some of it might be like closer to cosplay. It, like there's this whole gray area around it. Right. And so because there's a stigma attached to it, I think people who are, who are creating, you know, art within that space, like would kind of prefer to keep it more general <laughs> than to just say, like, I'm creating, you know, erotic art. Um, to kind of just avoid that stuff, I don't know. I mean, I think I think you're right that like we're just at the cusp of this, and so the the language to describe it hasn't caught up. But instead, we've relied on the most generic terms that just makes it seem like like a commodity. You know? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so let's let's switch gears and talk about uh, the SCOTUS. This is week second week in a row we're talking about the Supremes.
0: Yeah, so Stephen Breyer is leaving the Supreme Court. He's been on it since the '90s. So he's the senior justice right now who's been on it the longest. He's been sort of a progressive slash liberal stalwart um, on that side of the court. And when Biden ran for office, he famously pledged to appoint a black woman to the Supreme Court, which I'm sort of like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Like (laughs) and now he's being uh, attacked on the right because apparently he shouldn't be using race and gender to make his Supreme Court selection. And I would just say, you know, in response to the 99% of Supreme Court justices who have been white males, males, like what? (laughs) Mm -hmm.
1: Like, there's no reason why the Supreme Court shouldn't also (laughs) reflect the demographics of our country. Also, identity has been obviously like a huge driver of who gets picked for the Supreme Court. Like, why are there so many Catholics on the Supreme Court? right? Like yeah. Catholic, there's way more Catholics on the Supreme court than in the American populace. Right, <laughs> So like, like whether it's religion or race, right? Like, like people are picked for a reason, but the Republicans but just, have been shameless about it and have no, have no footing to, to,
0: yeah to criticize. I mean, the fact that the Supreme court only now, I mean, right now has three women and that's the highest number of women that have ever been on the Supreme court. And this will make four. When women make up half the country, like mm-hmm. that's just crazy to me. Like Women have had the right to vote now for 100 years. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's...
1: Anyways. <laughs> While we're on the topic of Biden, uh, I didn't know Biden had a cat at all. Nor did I know that his, the cat's name was Willow. Uh, but why is this a topic on the list, Dave?
0: Okay, so Biden adopted an adorable tabby cat named Willow to go mm-hmm. along with his dog who's, the, I think the name is like Champ or Colonel that's or something. That's the most Biden dog name Yeah, it's, it's Champ. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I might have the name wrong, but it's something along those lines. It's Chief. Yeah. <laughs> it's like straight out of Paw Patrol or uh, anyways. So uh, he's been getting a lot of flack from the, the wackadoos on the right because he brought a cat into the white house. And this is the first God. cat that's been in the white house since, George W. Bush was president when he brought in the <laughs> cat India, um, but uh, so I mean, people have been accusing him of you know literally not being a man anymore because he adopted a cat. Like apparently his dick has fallen off because he has adopted a cat, and apparently people are saying that he adopted the cat and got rid of the dog, which isn't true. He just has a cat and a dog now.
1: Wait, but, why? When did when did animals become gendered? Because cats. Like if we're gonna if we're gonna attribute this these sort of human characteristics to cats and dogs, right? Cats are are aloof, selfish. Cats sound like men to me. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> I,
0: I, I, I agree. but the best the best hot take was from Omar Navarro, who's running for Congress in California's forty third district. And uh, I'm gonna read this. hold on, let me pull pull this up. He said, this is a tweet from Omar Navarro, Republican congressional <laughs> candidate. Joe Biden, Joe Biden having a cat concerns me for the cat's life. These people will sacrifice the poor animal for satanic reasons. What <laughs> happened to PETA when you actually need them? And <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is not the first time that the Republicans have accused Democrats of being literally in league with Satan, and. I, I, I've I've long had a theory that if you want to know what the Republicans are doing, watch what they're accusing the Democrats of doing. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm becoming more and more convinced that there's some actual satanic rituals going on <laughs> in the Republican side.
1: What I mean, the actual Church of Satan seems pretty progressive. So maybe that's where this idea came from. <laughs> conflating like political stances by the Church of Satan with the Democratic Party. But the
0: Church of Satan doesn't actually believe in Satan. It's more like yeah, a political yeah. thing right it's like a free speech free, freedom of religion thing it's sort of like uber libertarian slash Kidnistic like libertarian guy. hedonistic yeah. like I'm gonna do what I want to do and uh you know for my pleasure but mm-hmm. they don't actually worship the Church of Satan you know they famously somebody asked them on Twitter uh well if you don't worship Satan who or if you don't believe in Satan who does
1: and their response was
0: Christians. <laughs>
1: what is the real theology behind worshiping satan um is it literally just working in antithesis to the beliefs of christianity or is there is there a more like in-depth theology that's been developed around it do you know um i mean from what i know it's built around a bunch of different
0: heresies and sort of the belief that um it's it's usually like a Manichaean belief. So unlike Christianity where God's clearly like supreme over Satan and the creator, mm-hmm. um, like people who would worship Satan would believe much more in the, the co-equal struggle between good and evil. Mm-hmm. Um, and that Satan is like a dual opposing force,
1: an equal force to God on the other side. A lot of this is obviously like just for show. And it is a response to, you know, what they consider to be extreme progressive beliefs on the part of Democrats. But to me, there's, it's obviously like another sort of racist dog whistle. Like there's something there in their brains. I think there's some weird connection <laughs> with like <laughs> helping people of color equates to something evil.
0: Well, accusing um, people of being Satan worshipers is a, you know, a long used political tool. You know, if you look back to persecution of Jews over the years, you know, they would be accused of literally being in league with Satan, mm-hmm. and kidnapping and sacrificing uh, Christian babies. You know, mm-hmm. when there was no evidence that any of that was actually happening, they would get accused mm-hmm. of doing that. And then you go back to like Salem and the witch tra- trials and Europe in mm-hmm. the, the uh, Middle Ages where people would burn, burn women at the stake who were different. Right, who mm-hmm. showed some independence or uh, is a way to make a political strike against another family. And the cat's <laughs> name is Willow, which is also the name of the witch from Buffy the Vampire Slayer, who eventually oh, turned shit. evil. Oh, shit. It, it goes deeper. <laughs> wow. So <laughs> I, I, I speaking of Satan, I remember um, when I first moved down to San Diego, I watched a little bit of the new... Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, uh-huh. and in that show, she's a witch, and like it's literally about witches being in league with Satan. Like the whole first <laughs> season is about how she's expected to pledge her herself to Satan and doesn't want to. <laughs>
1: <And> <laughs> Satan is a character in the show. Like, <laughs> you know what? Maybe there's the um, what was the it was the Little Nas X video where oh, he's yeah. Satan. I feel like that plays a role in it too. Little Nas X obviously being uh the trifecta of being um a pop star and being black and being gay, Republicans see that as the ultimate supreme evil.
0: I thought little not like I'm not a huge fan of Little Nas X's music, but I loved mm-hmm. how he came out with Old Time Road and got all these like White country music listeners, into yeah, him. they're like, "Oh, he's pretty good. He's pretty good." And the next thing you know, he's like literally having sex with another guy in his next music video. Like,
1: well, and dressing it was up like
0: Satan, and
1: yeah, it was like Satan doing doing a lap dance. It was Satan getting a lap dance from Little Nas X. It yeah. was incredible. Like, the bait and switch there was amazing. It's like, I'm for traditional American values. Now, check this out. Nothing more, nothing more American than a lap dance. <laughs> oh, brother. So, before we end, I just want to bring up one thing that I think is a real problem with culture these days is we don't have any sort of equivalent to the big dogs shirts or... Uh, no fear or the, the <laughs> gecko or the Hawaii red sand shirt. And then the, yeah. the hyper touch, what would what, you call it? Hyper color. Yeah. Like what happened to gimmicky t-shirts? Like we don't have it anymore in our culture. So I
0: don't think this rises to the same level of <laughs> cultural <laughs> penetration as the ones you just listed. But have you seen those shirts that say like, and they're all, it's like it uses about 10 different typefaces But they say, like, I'm a proud wife of a crazy husband who has tattoos. (laughs) He may seem quiet and reserved, but he knows more than he says and thinks more than he speaks and notices more than you realize. He owns 17 guns and loves me so much. He's my best friend. If you mess with me, the beast in him will awake and they'll never find your body. Yes, he bought me this shirt.
1: (laughs) So, wait, you think that that's... The current version of the Big <laughs> Dog shirt?
0: Oh, man. I don't know. But those shirts are, just crack me up. Are I, they, kids they, in are elementary
1: school wearing <laughs> that? What?
0: My, It's replaced it with, a, I am a proud student of a crazy teacher. <laughs>
1: I hope that your COVID goes well and you're, you you pass you pass with flying or you I guess you can't pass with flying colors. You want to not pass with flying colors, right? Yeah, want I negative. want my test to be negative on Tuesday <laughs> so I can come back out into the world. I'm gonna go freaking party, man. That's payday. I'm gonna be like making it rain. You're gonna. I want you to go buy a jet ski and then send me a picture out there jet skiing on um, San Diego Bay or whatever they call it. That would be awesome, yeah. I was I was watching. I don't know if you've seen it. There's a show called The Great North,
0: Mm-mm. which it, it's a totally wholesome, awesome cartoon starring Nick Offerman as the patriarch of an Alaskan family. But there was a whole episode where he wanted a jet ski, and the jet ski he wanted was nine hundred dollars. I was like, that seems like an order of magnitude cheaper <laughs> than an actual jet ski. I know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's like a knockoff jet ski. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Like even used, like a jet ski costs 5,000 bucks. That's like buying a jet ski off of Amazon from one of those like Chinese companies that has the, yeah. like weird made up name, like, like where they just put a bunch of English letters together. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> I got, we got this heating, um, like it's not, it's not a real heat lamp sort of situation. It's more of like a heating bar. Mm-hmm. It comes on a tripod. It was like the cheapest one at Home Depot because we didn't want to really like spend a ton on it. We just wanted it to kind of work. Okay. Yeah. And it does work. Okay. But like the way that the, the actual lamp attaches to the tripod Mm -hmm. is so janky. It's like, you just had these parts laying around and you just put (laughs) them in the same package together and hoped that someone would be able to install it. Like it's like Legos, right? Yeah. It's like Legos. Like they only have so many parts. They're not making new ones. There's no specialty parts. We're just going to give you the things that might work. (laughs)
0: It's like a janky ass
1: camera tripod and like three a tra- <laughs> tripod and three different adapters. <laughs> yeah, it's like this is the only way we can make this happen at this price point. <laughs> anyway, my friend, uh, I hope you feel good this week. I hope you get back at it. Send me pics from Dave and Buster's. All right. Um, I hope you win a bunch of tickets at skee ball. Yeah, and I'm gonna. My goal is to finish Cobra Kai today. So, all right,
0: we'll get it up there. Strike hard, <laughs> strike fast, no
1: mercy, no mercy. All right, my friends, peace, peace out. And this has been Planet of the Meerkats. Meow. The Meerkats are David Garrison and Neil Freeze. Our theme song is by the one and only Tawny Frogmouth. You can subscribe to Planet of the Meerkats wherever you get your podcasts. And you'll find links to all of our social accounts at planetofthemeerkats.com. We're trying to send a little old-fashioned positivity into your ears, so your support means a lot to us. Thanks for listening.